it's late at night and you've stopped a car for doing 10 or 11 miles an hour over the speed limit. And in the car, in addition to the driver, in the front seat, there's a passenger. And you demand identification from the passenger, but the passenger refuses to give identification to you. Can you extend the traffic stop in order to obtain this information from the passenger? That's what we're going to be talking about on this edition of Broadcast Blue. Bringing you the latest case law updates on the legal aspects of law enforcement. This is Broadcast Blue. The case I'm going to discuss in this episode of Broadcast Blue is United States versus Landeros. Now, this is a Ninth Circuit case, and it's not a new case. This case came out earlier this year, way back in January of 2019. It's been around now for about 11 months, 10 or 11 months, um, but it's a significant case. And we've had some other cases that have come out in the last few months, and I've received a lot of questions, a lot of folks asking me specifically about identifying passengers during traffic stops. We've seen a lot of cases where traffic stops were extended, where questions were asked of the driver that the courts have said extended the traffic stop unlawfully so that evidence was thrown out as a result of that. What I've been calling, what I've been referring to as the Rodriguez rule. And so this case is actually a case of first impression. And specifically, the, the case is going to discuss and talk about whether or not you can demand identification from a passenger during a traffic stop without any indication that the passenger's done anything wrong. In other words, it's not a part of the mission of the traffic stop to just identify the passenger. And uh, this is a really, really good case uh, to take a look at this. United States versus Landeros. The site for this case is 913 Fed 3rd uh, 862. And again, it's a 2019 decision from the Ninth Circuit. So let's go ahead and take a look at the facts of this case. The facts in this case are fairly straightforward, but it's very important that we create the timeline. If you're familiar with these Rodriguez uh, rules, the Rodriguez decision, how it has impacted traffic stops. And you've, if you've read some of these cases, you know that they put together these decisions. It's almost like a time hack. You get these the time marks, one thing happening after another, kind of boring to read. It uh, kind of takes away the fun of reading the cases when they're so uh, technical with the the timeline, but the timeline is what it's all about. The timeline is very, very important, especially when we're talking about a Rodriguez type issue. And so let's uh, let's talk about the facts and let's put to build this timeline, put the facts together chronologically in the order that they occurred, so we can understand uh, the court's decision and how it was the court applied the rule of law in this case. So it's early in the morning, in the early morning hours. The decision doesn't say exactly when, but uh, you know, early morning, you can imagine it's a little after midnight that it's still dark outside an officer pulls over a car in Arizona for doing 11 miles an hour over the posted speed limit now he pulls the car over for speeding there are four people in the car there's the driver there is a front passenger and there are two passengers in the back and as he approaches the car approaches the driver that rolls down the window he smells alcohol in the car and when he takes a look at the two women that are in the back seat they appear to him to be underage and another thing you need to understand is there's a curfew in effect uh, 
at the same time. So if indeed there are these these two women in the back are underage, you've got two things going on. You've got underage drinking because he smells alcohol, the presence of alcohol in the car. So you've got the possibility of that. And plus, you've got a curfew, the possibility of a, cur- a curfew violation. So he initially asks for the identification of the women in the back and, and, and obtains it. And then he commands that the passenger in the front seat, Len Daros, who is the defendant in this case, he commanded identification from Landeros. Now, the officer stated that Landeros did not appear to be underage, and the officer stated that it was standard practice to demand identification from occupants in a vehicle when they do a traffic stop. And that was the reason for him demanding his uh, the identification from Landeros. Well, Landeros refused. Landeros said, I haven't done anything wrong, and I don't have to give you my identification. And the officer asked him again, demanded, give me your identification. And again, Landeros refuses to give him identification. Well, at this point, because of Landeros' noncompliance, the second, uh, a second officer is called. The, the officer at the scene asked for backup and uh, asked for a second officer uh, to arrive. And so now at this point, the traffic stop um, has been uh, halted. The mission of the traffic stop has been halted while uh, the officer is trying to identify who this person, who ultimately is Landeros, who this person is. So the second officer arrives minutes later, uh, demands identification. Landeros again refuses to identify himself. And at this point, Landeros is ordered out of the vehicle for not complying with their order to produce identification. And as he's getting out of the vehicle, um, the officer sees two open beer bottles, a machete, and some pocket knives in the floorboard at the front at, at Landeros's feet that he couldn't see when Landeros was in the vehicle. So as he's getting out of the vehicle, the officer sees this. Landeros is arrested for the open containers, the Arizona statute uh, that makes it uh, an offense to have an open alcohol container in the car, and also for his failure to identify himself in violation of another Arizona statute that requires um, a, a person to identify themselves um, if the if they're involved, if the officer has a reasonable suspicion they're involved in criminal activity. So Landeros is handcuffed as soon as he gets out of the car. He's he's under arrest. He's been he's been arrested, and the officer asked him if he had any weapons in in his pocket, which is a standard thing, right? Do you have any anything in your pockets that are that will poke me or stick me or hurt me? And he basically said, "Do you have any weapons in your pocket?" Before um, ostensibly before. He was going to do his search incident to arrest. He asked this question. Landeros volunteered that he had, uh, or in response to the question, Landeros tells him that he has a knife in his pocket. And the officer says, well, can I retrieve the knife? Can I go into your pocket to retrieve the knife? And Landeros says yes. And the search of the pocket um, results in the officer finding a a smoking pipe and six rounds of ammunition. And Landeros is a convicted felon. So because he's a convicted felon, Landeros is charged with a, the United States Code, a Title 18, Section 922G offense uh, for being a felon in possession 
of ammunition. And Landeros, through his defense attorney, you know, you know what's going to happen. The defense attorney is going to say that's not fair, right? The defense F word and seeks to have the evidence of this ammunition suppressed as a result of a Fourth Amendment violation. And the argument is that the traffic stop was unlawfully extended when Landeros refused to identify himself. In other words, that there's claiming that there's a Rodriguez violation in the traffic stop um, that has an impact on the discovery of the ammunition on Landeros, which is the subject of the, the federal charge, the federal violation. So the magistrate recommended uh, that the district court deny the defense's motion to suppress the evidence, and the district court did, and reserved the right to appeal, and Landeros was sentenced to 405 days in prison for being in possession of this ammunition, and he appealed this ruling to the Ninth Circuit. Okay, so now that we have the facts and the lower court's decision in this case, let's take a look at the precise issue on appeal, because this is a very interesting case, and believe it or not, it's a case of first impression that explores the intersection of two distinct Fourth Amendment doctrines. The first doctrine centers around when an officer can demand identification from someone, and the second doctrine is based on the Supreme Court's decision in Rodriguez versus United States back in 2015, which sets out the rule of law regarding extending, uh, extending traffic stops in order to conduct the non-related criminal investigation. So here's the exact question that the court has to answer in this case. Can law enforcement officers extend a traffic stop because a passenger refuses to identify himself without a reasonable suspicion that the passenger has committed a criminal offense? This is, this is not as simple a question as you might first imagine, and it requires the court in this case to determine how the rule of law regarding the identification of passengers has been affected by the Rodriguez decision. I'll explain the court's decision, and I'll add a few takeaways for you right after this short break for a word about Leah One. This episode of Broadcast Blue is brought to you by Leah One. Leah One provides high-quality training in the legal aspects of law enforcement. The training is offered in several modalities, including an online training platform that provides on-demand training, a virtual classroom space that provides live training over the internet, and live face-to-face -face training where our instructors come to your training facility and provide high-quality training to your law enforcement officers. A website address for LEA1 is its name. LEA.one. That's all you have to type into your browser, or if you prefer, www.lea.one. On the front of the webpage, you can sign up for the Leo One Blue Flash Legal Update newsletter and check out the schedule and see what we're doing across the country. Leo One, bringing you training in the legal aspects of law enforcement. Now, back to our case. So before I dive into the analysis provided in the decision by the Ninth Circuit, let's talk about the law a little bit. What are the, the laws that are going to govern this decision and, and what are the important aspects of, of these rules? It's important first to start with the Rodriguez rule itself from that 2015 Supreme Court decision, Rodriguez versus United States. A very, very important decision. It's had a huge impact on how we do business with respect uh, to traffic stops and the legal aspects of traffic stops. And 
fundamentally what the Rodriguez rule stands for is the proposition that a traffic stop cannot be extended beyond the mission of the stop itself unless there's a reasonable suspicion of criminal activity that justifies the extension. So a traffic stop is limited and the, the rules, the laws regarding that are fairly clear too. When you do a traffic stop, it is a seizure under the Fourth Amendment, and the courts have held that the traffic stop is very similar in nature to a Terry stop, but it's the limited focus of the traffic stop is on the mission, and the mission is based on what it was the stop uh, was based on. Was it what part of the traffic code, or what's the violation that led to the traffic stop? Was someone speeding? Were they driving a car that had some type of uh, operation issues? Did it have a burned out tail lights? Did the indi turn indicator not work properly? Um, were there some other aspects of the car that indicate it's in an unsafe condition like we saw in the, the Richmond case earlier this year? Is the, what is the basis of the traffic stop? Well, whatever the basis of the traffic stop is, and it's important to point out that the traffic stop has to be valid from its inceptions, from the beginning. So there has to be a legitimate traffic stop. You know, what have they done? In this particular case, they were speeding, and so the mission of the traffic stop would be related to the moving violation of doing 11 miles an hour over the speed limit. And so the the stop is for that purpose, and the scope of the stop is going to be limited to that purpose, or what other, the courts otherwise call the mission of the stop. And you cannot extend the stop itself, the duration of the stop has to be reasonable. The reasonableness is based on the mission. And therefore, if you do anything that is not related to the mission, it's going to impermissibly or unreasonably extend the traffic stop beyond the duration um, that's reasonable. And so the, the whole purpose of the Rodriguez rule, it did away with that Eighth Circuit de minimis rule. There were, some, there were a few circuits that had held that it was okay to ask non-related questions, to ask questions and to conduct an inquiry that goes beyond the mission and looks at some other type of criminal investigation. Usually it's looking for drugs or weapons uh, in the vehicle. And the Rodriguez, the Supreme Court in Rodriguez shot that down and said there is no de minimis rule. Unless you develop your reasonable suspicion of criminal activity while you're conducting the Terry or while you're conducting the traffic stop so that there's a seamless transition into the Terry stop from the traffic stop unless that happens you cannot go beyond the scope of the mission you cannot ask questions that are unrelated to the traffic stop you cannot conduct a criminal investigation um, that's not related to the mission unless you have that reasonable suspicion of criminal activity. And of course, once you have a Terry stop, the duration and the scope, the reasonableness of the duration of the Terry stop is going to be longer than it is for the traffic stop. And, and, and then it buys you time to figure things out. But you can't have a gap. Um, you, cannot, you cannot develop your reasonable suspicion at the expense um, are as a result of extending the duration of the traffic stop beyond the mission of the stop. Now, before Rodriguez, many courts had held that there you could lawfully extend the stop by asking non-related questions, but uh, the 
the key is going to be, the question is going to be, does Rodriguez uh, do away with that? Does it abrogate this rule and, and does it uh, change the dynamic of what uh, officers can do with respect to um, identifying passengers? Another quick little note I want to point out here is that um, the courts, many courts have said that officers can request identification. And we've had a lot of situations both before Rodriguez and after Rodriguez where that's exactly, um, that's what's happened. But what's important in this case is to understand is that once the passenger was asked for identification and then refused to provide it, the traffic stop uh, was kind of paused and then a and then backup was called, um, and this the what ain't, what came place after that was all uh, based on the the failure, the failure uh, of the person to identify themselves. So it's a it's an interesting uh, it's going to be an interesting dynamic of the the of the rule of law and how it's going to play out here um, with the the Rodriguez rule in effect. So now that you kind of understand the legal basis for the question in this case. Um, which is a very important one. Uh, it's in, let's take a look at what the Ninth Circuit actually did with it. The Ninth Circuit held that a traffic stop cannot be lawfully extended just because a passenger refuses to identify himself unless there's some reasonable suspicion that that passenger has committed a criminal offense. Since the passenger has nothing to do uh, with driving the car at 11 miles an hour over the speed limit in order for this traffic stop to be extended and basically turned into a Terry stop uh, while they're trying to demand identification from this passenger, there would have to be a reasonable suspicion that the passenger has committed a criminal offense. And that's the, the Ninth Circuit's application of the Rodriguez rule to this type of situation, which hadn't really presented itself uh, uh, since Rodriguez, at least, uh, and challenged all the way up to the Ninth Circuit anyway. And so it's a very interesting juxtaposition between the Rodriguez rule and the questions that an officer can ask uh, in order uh, to conduct the, the mission of the stop. And there are, there are things that are permissible, certainly questions from the driver, uh, questions about where they're going, where, where he's headed. Uh, there are the, all these, these list of permissible questions. And of course, you can demand identification from the driver because the driver um, has, is the one who is speeding. The driver has to produce that identification and registration. Uh, and as well as proof of insurance. So all that type of information can be gathered from the driver, but not from the passenger. Uh, and so this is the, the rule of law that's been developed in Landeros, and that was the decision of the Ninth Circuit. They held that the, what came after that, obviously it was the extension of the traffic stop for the failure to produce the identification that led to everything else that happened. And so what you have here is one of those bad dominoes, right? You've got what I refer to as the sequencing of the Fourth Amendment dominoes. And in these traffic stop cases, sequencing is everything. Very, very important. You, you might note that he asked, they told him to get out of the car after um, he refused the third time uh, to produce identification with two officers there. They basically were placing him under arrest for failure to identify himself. They ordered him out of the vehicle, and that's when they saw the open containers in the car and the knives and the machete on the floor. So since that was discovered after the stop had been extended, it cannot retroactively 
provide the basis for the demanding of the identification. It, it just doesn't work that way. The dominoes are out of sequence. And so once you've got a bad domino, which is what we had when the stop was extended uh, for the lack of identification of the passenger, once the stop was extended for uh, a non-mission related uh, investigation, everything downstream of that is tainted. Um, and these fourth, other, the subsequent Fourth Amendment decisions were tainted by that Fourth Amendment violation, which is going to lead to the exclusionary rule, and the exclusionary rule in this case being the bullets, uh, the, the rounds of ammunition um, that are, were the, the basis for the charge uh, that was brought. And the Ninth Circuit reversed the denial of the motion to suppress, which means the ammunition's out. Without the ammunition, there is no um, offense. And so uh, that's how that's going to play out here in this particular case. Okay, so we have some good takeaways from this case. It's a Ninth Circuit case, so this is the rule in the Ninth Circuit. And you might be thinking to yourself, self, I'm not in the Ninth Circuit, so this doesn't apply to me. Well, you might want to reconsider that. It's true that this isn't binding on any um, other circuit besides the Ninth Circuit, but we can't we can't uh, write this off as one of those Ninth Circuit um, uh, strange opinions that we get um, from the Ninth Circuit. Um, sometimes we get some fairly bizarre Fourth Amendment and especially qualified immunity decisions out of the Ninth Circuit. And we kind of have a tendency to blow them off and say, well, that's that's a Ninth Circuit anomaly. I don't have to worry about that here in the Eleventh Circuit or in the Fifth Circuit or in the Fourth or the Tenth or wherever. Um, but the the rationale and the, what the, the court has stated and the, the their analysis and the way they put this together is very um, it's very straightforward. It's a very straightforward application of the Rodriguez rule, and uh, it, it has a it seems to comport with what Rodriguez demands and what Rodriguez requires. We're going to have to keep an eye on this and take a look at this. There have been other circuits as I do this uh, as I do this presentation. It's the first part of November of 2019, and this decision came out in the first part of January. So it's been um, it's been 10 months. But there have been other uh, circuits, there have been other districts and other circuits, uh, district courts that have cited this Landeros decision. Now, none of the decisions have embraced the Landeros ruling, um, but it's not because there was some type of uh, difference of opinion with respect to the law and how the law would apply. The conclusions that were reached that came to a different, uh, different conclusion were based on differences in the facts um, and it's important to point these differences out. In other, in other cases, passengers were asked for identification and it wasn't demanded. And when the, and when the passengers were asked for identification, uh, they freely gave it. And when they gave the identification, they ran the passenger's identification along with the driver's identification. And the court said that's okay. Um, that did not extend the mission of the traffic stop and that's because the passenger did not refuse to identify themselves and so it's important to point out that it's the looking at these decisions looking at, at in other circuits it seems uh, to suggest anyway that the court's okay with you asking for identification from passengers and actually running checks 
on the passengers. They understand the safety concerns that officers have, a very dangerous situation pulling automobiles over, especially late at night. And that they're going to allow you to do that and consider that mission-related under the Rodriguez rule. The question, the question isn't whether or not you can ask for identification. The question is, what can you do if they refuse to provide it? Um, and we've, we can look to other cases, the, the Hibble um, versus Nevada case and, and Texas v. Brown, those two Supreme Court decisions regarding the identification of people in general, um, and then also the identif identification of, of people in vehicles. Um, you, you know, we Typically, we have to have a reasonable suspicion that someone's involved in criminal activity before we can demand their identification. You know, this isn't like a, uh, this isn't something like Nazi Germany. I remember watching when I was younger, I loved Hogan's Heroes and uh, you'd always hear uh, Major Hofstetler, you know, show me your papers, show me your papers. Well, this is the United States. It's not Nazi Germany. We don't have to go around showing our papers whenever it's demanded um, without some type of legal basis and legal authority um, to demand it. And so uh, the, the interesting intersection here is the fact that in automobiles, once you seize, a, when you do a traffic stop, the court has held, the Supreme Court has held that everyone in the automobile is seized and you have control over the people in the vehicle. You can order the driver out and you can order um, the passengers out. You know, we have the, the, the Pennsylvania versus MIMS Supreme Court decision uh, regarding um, pulling the driver out of the car. And so we have the legal ability to control the situation. So this is an interesting scenario because we have the ability to seize the people in the vehicle without any suspicion that the people themselves individually are involved in criminal activity. And that's the difference between stopping a car with a passenger in it, at which point the passenger is seized because of the traffic violation that they're not a part of and doing a Terry stop of an individual on the street and demanding identification uh, from that person. Just because they're seized in the traffic stop does not make their identification a part of the mission in the Rod under the Rodriguez rule. And that's, that's exactly what the Landeros uh, proposition is. That's what the, the Landeros case stands for. We're going to have to see how this pans out. We're going to have to see um, what happens in other circuits. And uh, right, right now, the Ninth Circuit is the only circuit that has answered this exact question regarding uh, what to do when a passenger refuses to identify themselves. Can a traffic stop be extended for the failure um, of the passenger to identify themselves without any indication whatsoever that that individual is involved in criminal activity. Have to keep an eye on this. The The takeaway uh, obviously is, is ask uh, for the identification of passengers that you want to identify. Note that the in the, this particular case, he had a reasonable suspicion that the passengers in the back, the two women, were underage and that there was underage. He smelled alcohol and there's a curfew. And so there was no issue regarding the uh, asking for the identification from the, the two women, who, by the way, turned out to be age 19 and 21. So they, they weren't uh, uh, there weren't uh, they weren't minors um, with respect to the curfew. So um, uh, 
but again, you know, this, this whole concept of identifying Landeros, who had no indication whatsoever that he was underage. The officer said he didn't think he was underage, and the only reason he demanded identification was because that was standard policy. Well, maybe standard policy might not be uh, in, in cahoots with the Rodriguez decision anymore. Maybe you need to take a look at what your practice is and make sure that you're complying with the Rodriguez rule. You can ask for identification you can run the identification if it's provided, but you cannot extend the traffic stop uh, in order uh, to uh, uh, force someone to provide this identification unless you can articulate that reasonable suspicion of criminal activity that they're involved in. Um, we'll have to see what happens. Uh, surely there will be more cases coming up here uh, in the next 12 months, but this is a very important case to talk about for a very important case uh, to bring up. And if you have any questions at all uh, about the how this case impacts or how the Rodriguez rule impacts demanding identification from passengers, um, please uh, talk to your legal advisor, talk to your police legal advisor if you have one, or uh, talk to your uh, district attorney or uh, assistant United States attorney for more information about that. So there you have it, United States versus Landeros, a very interesting decision out of the Ninth Circuit. We're going to have to keep an eye on this to see um, specifically see if this case is cited in other circuits and see if it's adopted in other circuits. The rule of law seems to be very solid, and so uh, it would not be surprising at all to see other circuits uh, come up with very uh, similar conclusions here. So this episode of Broadcast Blue uh, was brought to you by LEA One. Again, LEA One provides high-quality training in the legal aspects of law enforcement. For more information and to sign up for the LEA One Blue Flash legal newsletter, go to www.lea.one. We're booking for 2020. If you're as you're listening to this uh presentation. If you would like for us to come out, we have a, a course that uh, is eight hours of the legal aspects of traffic stops. And this is a, a major part of it. We talk about the, the impact of Rodriguez and talking things that you can ask of the driver, not just the passenger, the, the unrelated questions. We've had a number of cases in the last 12 months where evidence has been excluded because of officers asking questions of the driver that uh, they norm that they could, that were perfectly fine prior to the Rodriguez decision. But now, as a result of the Rodriguez rule, is creating problems. If you'd like for us to come to your uh, training facility and provide training, you can either host a session or sponsor a session of the legal aspects of traffic stops. You can contact us at comms, C-O-M-M-S, at L-E-A dot agency. Uh, that's our email address, a general email address, and we'd be happy to provide you with information in addition to the advanced search and seizure law course that seems to be so popular. Uh, again, uh, Leah One providing you training on the legal aspects of law enforcement. Let us know if we can uh, help you with your training needs. Don't go yet. Uh, there's one more important thing I have to tell you, and that's the all-important legal disclaimer. I'm very fond of saying I'm, I'm an attorney, but I'm not your attorney. And what I mean by that is that I do not provide formal legal advice through any of the presentations on Broadcast Blue. This presentation contains a purely academic discussion. No part of this presentation is offered as legal advice, and it should not be construed as legal advice. If you have any questions regarding the legal issues raised by this presentation, you should consult with your attorney.